Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. I don't know about y'all, but I'm just worn out from mission control. Anybody else worn out from trying to tame your tongue and, and, and oh, Lord, Jesus, help me, help me. Uh, and so we get worn out at times about the things that Jesus says. We act like when Jesus spoke, Jesus just spoke stuff that everybody just like immediately want to obey. Like things that Jesus immediately just, Jesus spoke things that people were just immediately ready to just go, you know what, thank you Jesus for saying those things to us. And even now in the church, sometimes we act like uh, when we get a word and we do it in front of other Christians, oh, that was a word, that was a word, but then you go in and sit in your car and cry. Anybody else? Like the God, oh, God is so sovereign. Oh, ah, you feel it. And then you go and you just act like, God, why, why, why am I putting on this front or this show? And so we're going to start a new series for the next six weeks that's entitled Jesus Said. Jesus Said. And each week we're going to take a particular statement or a particular thing that Jesus has said. And sometimes we get this kind of nose blind to it. You ever see those Febreze commercials when they sit in the room and the room just stanking and the mama come in the room like, don't you smell this in here? Right. But they have gotten blind to the smell in the room because they're just so used to it. And sometimes we get blinded to the things that Jesus has said or the things that God has said because we're just so used to putting them into little short, pithy statements. And we just quote them and we say them, but do we really mean them? Or do we really understand what God is actually saying? That's going to be a challenge for us in the next six weeks, and we're going to talk about this thing. And so one thing that I want to talk about uh, in particular this morning, we're coming from John chapter 14. If you have a Bible, you can meet me there. John chapter 14. And this particular scripture is, um, if you guys need to swap me out, y'all can swap me out. Uh, if this particular scripture is very sensitive to our culture today. We live in a culture where we're so sensitive to words, right? Right. When you grew up, sticks and stones would break, help hurt my bones. Or, or, but words would never, what, what, what did it say, Reagan? Sticks and stones may break my bones. Thank you. Y'all preach for me this morning. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we become adults and we don't take our own the advice that our parents gave us that sticks and stones don't break our bones. And we, we're so concerned uh, with words nowadays. We really are. We live in a culture where words have such a powerful meaning in our lives. So much so, watch this. We have this thing called Twitter. Anybody ever heard of Twitter? And on Twitter, you can tweet in 140 characters, 140 characters, you can try and get your point across, but people won't even listen to the whole 140 characters. They'll just grab a little bitty segment of that 140 characters and they'll say, you meant this and that offended me. Or Facebook posts. I like Facebook posts a little bit better because you can go long form and you can go long winded, but we don't understand that we live in a culture that's very sensitive to words, but we don't really pay attention to words. So what happens is we, we, we put a title on our post and we, they call it a clickbait where we get people to, 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 to click on it and to look at it, but then inside the, 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 the post, there's a whole lot of saying that people never get to. They just read maybe the first three sentences. I can remember uh, recently, no, it wasn't that recently, it was about a year ago, I posted something that was really heartfelt and profound, in my opinion, on Facebook, and a friend of mine said, man, that was really good, but that was really long. I only read half of it. 
and we live in a culture that doesn't read anymore. I'm, don't raise your hand. I meet so many people nowadays that say, man, I don't, I, I, I don't really read. Like, is there an audio book version of that? Or you just tell me what the book said. I don't want to go and read the book for myself. You just tell me what it says. And so I'm not insensitive to the culture that we live in today. I'm not insensitive because I read a lot, and that's not to make me better than anybody else because I read. Your, your particular medium of learning might be different than mine, but I read a lot. I read three, four books at a time. I love to read. I love to learn. And so I'm not insensitive that there are people maybe in this room even now who don't like reading, who don't engage in books and, and, and learning the way that I do. But one thing that we need to understand is there is a book. There's a book. And in this book, we have to understand that in this book is the words to life. And found in this book are the words of Jesus. If you got a good Bible, it might have his words in red. And in the words of Jesus, this is what we're going to be covering. What did Jesus mean when he said what he meant? Listen, Jesus is probably the most misunderstood person the planet has ever seen. I say probably because I know I might have some skeptics in the room today. No, 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 no. I believe Jesus is the most misunderstood person that this planet has ever seen. And I understand that it's hard for some of us to live our lives based upon this obscure Jewish carpenter from the Middle East, the words that he said 1,000 years ago. If you're not too spiritual in the room today, don't raise your hands. You know, I always say don't raise your hands. But if you're not too spiritual in the room today to admit that what we believe is kind of crazy. Then I'm going to rearrange my entire life. Everything that I do, the way that I am, the way that I act based upon this poor Middle Eastern man that would have died in obscurity unless there was for this one thing. Are you ready? Let's be honest. I based my entire life on this one Jewish man from a thousand years ago that nobody would have known about him unless, unless he got up from the grave. And so based upon him getting up from the grave, that tells me I should put a little bit of merit into some of the things that he said. Just a little bit. I need to put my faith in this man because he claimed that he was God. Not only did he claim he was God, his followers thought he was something special, but after he died, they ran away. They went back into obscurity, and then 50 days later, they came back with this great boldness. This great understanding of, no, 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 you don't understand. He was not only God, he is God, and he has risen. Wow. And because of what these men claimed, and the way that the world has been changed and shifted based upon the things that these men have claimed, I think he has a right to an audience. And based upon him having a right to this audience, I know it's crazy what we believe. I know it's crazy what we believe unless it's true. Unless it's true. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about some things that he said, and we're going to evaluate in our lives and in our hearts, is it true or not? Now here, listen, this is not some kind of mass, massive uh, 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 hypnosis. I'm not going to put nothing in front of you. I'm not going to put nothing in front of you. I'm 
not going to do that. It is up to you to believe. I'm just going to present some things to you and hope that you will believe because I believe it. Amen. All right. All right. All right. John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. Notice I, I take my glasses off when I'm preaching hard because I don't want I don't want to look at y'all's faces. Just blur. I don't care. I know y'all out there, but hey, I don't I don't I don't need the facial expressions. Okay, all right, watch this. Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Now that's a salacious statement all by itself. But the next thing that Jesus said is possibly, quite possibly. The most divisive thing that Jesus ever, 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 ever said. And this is something that causes people to walk away from the cross and the power of the cross. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. One thing that we need to understand about Jesus, Jesus' very presence is divisive. And especially in our culture today, but not so less in the culture back then. Why was it so divisive back then? Because Jesus said something that was very profound to the Jewish mind. You see, the Jewish mind would have believed that God's way or their way of living, the way of being, was based upon the truth of what God had revealed to Moses in the law. Moses was this man that God gave the law to, to a specific people for a specific time so that they can be carriers of his grace. You see, Jesus, I mean, Jesus, Moses was the, 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 the sum total of what the Jewish people looked to because he held the law. He had the words of God. And they said, based upon this law, we are going to live in a certain way. I am the way, the truth. And not only that, when you lived your life in a certain way based upon the truth, you inherited inter eternal life. This is what the Jewish believers would have heard. And so when Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus was saying, I'm everything. Everything that you based your life on, all the different stuff that you be doing. And if you're in the room and you're uneducated to the Jewish laws, like they would have to do these burnt offerings and these sacrifices. And there was all these different laws that they had to abide by just so that they can say that they were the people of God. And Jesus came on the scene and Jesus said, guess what, baby? I am the way, the truth, and the life. The sum total of the way that you approach God comes through me. And that's why Jesus could make the next statement. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus was making this crazy statement to the Jewish mind. It would, everybody in the room that would have heard it would have went, blasphemy. What are you talking about? You think you're greater than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You think you're greater than our forefathers? You think you're greater than Moses? You're saying you're even greater than the law and what we've been doing for thousands of years? You done lost your mind, Jesus. Why am I bringing that up in today's context? Because Jesus was coming against everything that the people who were hearing his voice believe up until this point. And I believe in the church, sometimes Jesus comes against the things that we believe at our core, at our core, and we kind of follow Jesus because we want fire insurance. We kind of believe Jesus. Let me believe you just enough so I don't have to go to hell. 
which is another thing that we're going to talk about with things that Jesus said. Because, listen to this, listen to this, because some people, even Christians, have explained away hell. And so now we believe what Jesus said based upon what culture says to us. So it was hard then and it's hard now. Why is it hard now? Because we live in a culture of pluralism. Listen, I remember when this type of teaching first came on the scene. I won't mention the superstar who I saw prevalently pushing it. But they talk about and they use this phraseology. Listen, you need to live your truth. Anybody heard that? You got a truth. I got a truth. All God's children got a truth. But the challenge is. There can't be truth because truth in itself is an exclusive claim. There can't be two truths in light of the truth. And so either are both false or one is right and one is wrong. And as Christians, we've kind of kowtowed because we haven't been evangelistic and we haven't presented the truth of the gospel to people. And so what we do is we bag up and we say, you know what, just so that you can like me, I'm going to say that you have a truth and I have a truth. Has anybody ever heard the illustration of the um, of the elephant? There was this man who said once said, he said, well, you know, religion is like an elephant. And there were all these blind men who got around the elephant. And they had to describe the elephant. And so one grabbed his trunk and said, man, the elephant is like a snake. And another one grabbed his leg and said, oh, no, 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 no. An elephant is like a tree. And the other one grabbed his side and was like, no, 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 no. An elephant is like a wall. And this is one of those statements or this is one of those illustrations that people actually use to refute the exclusivity claim of Christianity saying, listen, y'all are too exclusive. Y'all are bigoted. Y'all promote hatred. Can we all just get along? Because God is like an elephant. Well, the challenge is there has to be somebody to identify what an elephant is really like. And there has to be somebody that tells that blind fool, listen, God ain't like no tree. I mean, an elephant ain't like no tree. An elephant ain't like no snake. An elephant ain't like no wall. Because you're blind, you are limited in your ability to understand what an elephant is. And Jesus has told us that we have been blinded by this world. And we need to have someone on the outside looking in that can identify an elephant, or in this case, identify God and say, listen, listen, listen. Your understanding of God is all wrong. Your understanding of the meaning of life is all wrong. Can you tell that I'm a little bit passionate about this this morning? Christians, we have to get to a place where we understand that the gospel that we preach, whether you like it or not, is divisive. Now, here it is. That doesn't mean that you have to be divisive. All you got to do is open your mouth, baby, and people going to hate you. But that is the path. That is the way that Jesus has brought us on. We can do it with as much love as we can. Jesus did it with as much love as he can muster, and people still hated him to the point where they crucified him. And if you're a follower of Christ, listen, listen, anything short of the cross, you deserve that. You got to know what you signed up for. And so it would have killed the Jewish mindset. And what Jesus was claiming, here it is, and we're going to get into the word today. What Jesus was claiming was not only was he a representation of God's word, he was God's word. 
and he was bigger than everything that they had ever believed in their little tiny blind life. That's what Jesus has said. I know it sounds harsh, but we're going to come in contact with people who believe that their thoughts are bigger than God's thought. But if you believe the Bible like I believe the Bible, you can, there, there, there's no room for variance. There's no room for saying, I like this much of the Bible, but I don't like all of the Bible. And just because there's stuff in the Bible that's hard to swallow, don't mean that you don't still need to swallow it. But the challenge is that we've created God in our image instead of being created in the image of God. And we go, well, surely God couldn't have meant that because if you look at the context and you look at the Greek and the Hebrew, no, 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 you just can't look at a verse by verse. You got to look at it as the whole. And God is telling us, he's telling us, he's telling us that he's God. And so because of that, I know that people in the room right now say, well, you just took one verse out of context and you always telling us not to take verses out of context. Well, let's go back to John chapter 14, verse 1. And I'm going to let you be the judge of this conversation. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now listen, for the Jewish mindset, I'm just going to give you a little context. He mentioned yourself in the same sense what God was meaning that you were somebody. And he's telling his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled because Jesus is going to go to the cross to give the ultimate sacrifice for the way to the way. He's going to show them the way to life. I'm getting ahead of myself. And so he says, let not your heart be troubled. He said, don't, don't get down. Don't feel some type of way. Don't be troubled. Listen, listen, behold, I, believe in me, believe in God. What he's saying is God's about to do something. Just trust God. Trust God. Don't be dismayed. Trust God and trust in me. And then he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. Some translations say mansions, but it's a more literal translation because when we think about mansions, especially in the West, we be thinking about, oh, I got, I got a gated community. I'm over here by myself and my cutting them down there by the lake. No, 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 no. The father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you? What did he say? If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place? Now, listen, Jesus did not go to be room service. Jesus did not go and make the bed up for him. What Jesus is saying is what the, the act that I'm about to do is preparing a space for you in God's house. Because he's looking towards the cross. What I'm about to do is going to prepare a space for you, 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 and you. And you're going to be able to go and abide and live in God's house. Listen, we, we're so secularized. I don't think we know how secularized we are. For somebody in that time to hear that, that would have been like, because all these thousands of years we've been killing goats and we've been going through the wilderness and we've been seeing pillars of fire by night and clouds by day and we've been seeing the glory of God and he's been moving on by half and we got all these different rules that we do that if you do this, you got to do this so that you can stay pure to God. And this one man, this one obscure man, this one man that people are hating and despising is saying, listen, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. There has to be something special about this man to say such things. Verse 3, and he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you shall be also. And I love, I love, I love. And you, and you know the way that I am going. You know the way I'm going. I love Thomas. People get on Thomas, oh, doubting Thomas. Thomas is just real. Thomas like some of us should be. Some of us need to ask more questions. Tom 
Thomas was like, uh, Lord, I don't mean to step on your toes because I know you, you're like, you, you're a bad man. I know that, Lord. So I'm not trying to get sideways with you. But I need to understand some things. How you, we don't know where you're going. How can we know where you're going? Last time I checked, we walking around. You the one reading people's thoughts. I ain't never read nobody's thoughts. Lord, I don't know what's going on here. You need, we need some answers, Lord. <laughs> then Jesus said to him, I, I imagine Jesus smiling. Just, I just imagine Jesus smiling. Right? Everybody else too scared to ask Jesus questions. Right? No, not Thomas. Just, listen, you've been following Jesus through the Gospels. You'll be, you be scared to ask Jesus questions too. Because Jesus is always getting us in trouble. No, don't say nothing to him. No, you're going to ask him. No, you're going to ask him. I ain't going to say nothing. Well, we're just going to find out later because I ain't saying nothing. We'll figure it out. You just ain't talking. Just be talking. He the Lord. Okay. Jesus smiled. Okay, that's Sean's translation. No, don't write that down. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's not the end of the story. Let's go to verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Verse 8, please, Aaron. Thank you, sir. Verse 8. Thank you. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. Now, see, Thomas done asked a question. Now, Philip, like, I can talk too now, because, you know, Philip... You know, Philip got in trouble, so now I can ask my question. And Philip said, listen, just show us the Father. You're doing all this talk about going and showing mansions. Show us the Father, then I believe. How many people have been around a skeptic that say, if God is real, why won't he just show himself? Right? If God is real, like it was a Russian cosmonaut, I heard the story. He said, I went to the moon, and I didn't see God. Because God ain't hanging out on the moon. He walked closer actually to you, Mr. Russian cosmonaut, than he walked to us in the West in the person of Jesus. Watch this. He said, Jesus said to him, have I not been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Wow. So people say Jesus never said he was God. He just asked to see the father or see the image, express image of God, uh, uh, of who the father is. And Jesus said, We've been walking all around Jerusalem taking selfies. You ain't seen me? You haven't seen me? Say, Philip, how can you still say that? How can your mind even be there? That you haven't seen me. And listen, let's not jump on Philip and Thomas. Some of us in the room, even now, we say, God, I just want to see you. Moses, who was given the law, show me your glory. We just want to see God. And Jesus said, not in this verse, not in the next verse, but Jesus even said, he said, blessed is the man who believes and didn't see me. Because sometimes we just got to walk by this thing called faith. We got to step across the threshold of our understanding. Our understanding can get us so far, but we got to get to a place where we can step across the threshold and say, based upon all the evidence, I believe. Jesus encountered a man whose son was, was possessed by a demon who kept falling in the fire. And Jesus said, do you believe that I can help your son? And the man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
And what he was saying was he wasn't being dualistic in mind. He's saying, listen, I want to believe you, but I'm going to need some help on this. And the reality is there are a lot of people. Okay, I'm going to get all of my notes. Y'all know I do it every week, but let me jump there real quick. And so a lot of people are walking around and they're saying things like, if God is good, how can he send good people to hell? If God is good, why don't he just show himself? Isn't that a, a, a twisted kind of thing to do just to be acting like you're good and not really good and just sending people to hell and things of that nature? I'm going to ask you this question. How many people do you know that are truly seeking God and not walking with God? How many people do you know who are truly seeking God and not walking with God? Most of the times, we talk about this, me and my kids were riding in the car yesterday. We were talking about some of their young friends. They'll quote things that are supposed to be in the Bible, but not really in the Bible. But they heard somebody say something about the Bible, and then they base their decision based upon something they heard somebody say about the Bible. And then SJ was talking about one of his friends. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's not really in, in, in there. And then the response was, well, you know, I don't know. And so if you were really a seeker of truth, you would have went and looked to see if that were true or not. I can remember even being a teenager. Listen, I, 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 listen, there had to be a God because I was still alive at 16. And so I'm serious. I'm not joking. I was alive at 16. I'm like, yeah, there is a God. And so I started looking. And there was these Mormons who came by the house. They brought the book of Mormon. I started reading through that. I was like, I can't. And then there was, we lived in a neighborhood where there was a nation of Islam. I started reading some, I, I was looking, I was seeking. Jesus wasn't the first place I looked. But then I opened the word of truth. And I began to evaluate that based upon my experiences in my life and the situation that I was in. I was like, no, 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 this right here. I don't know what that other stuff is. I had read the Quran. I had read, I was like, I don't know what that stuff is. It don't even match up to this. Well, some people say, well, you, you have the benefit of being born in America in a certain time where Bibles and all these things are available. What about someone who was born in a Middle Eastern country or things of that nature? I say to them, let God deal with that. But right here, right now, we need to be dealing with what God is telling us to deal with. And if we were a church that lived based upon the principle that Jesus has put before us, listen, the world would be a better place. If you look at the first century church, and I was saying this yesterday, if you look at the first century church, and I'm not saying that the first century church did not have problems. That's why we got the book of Corinthians. I'm like, oh, Lord, they were tripping. But one thing that we do see that the world was being turned on its head because of the way that they were living. They, know, they knew that you don't just sign up for this just so that you can go and sit in a comfortable, air-conditioned room on a Sunday morning. You sign up for this, and you have, you, you, you're going to be threatened. Your life, your very essence is going to be threatened based upon the things that you believe. This is even happening right now around the world. If you've never looked into the voice of the martyrs, this is happening right now. There's a magazine. You can look at it online. You can see young people all around the world being persecuted for Christ. And I'm not talking about they just say, you can't pray at your job. I'm talking about, there was this little girl. I'm way off topic. I got some time, but I see it on the clock. Okay, and so there was a little girl. She had acid thrown on her face because she was a Christian. And they went and interviewed this lady, and now half of her face is disfigured. And you know what she said? I counted joy to suffer for the sake of Christ. Let you get one pimple because of Jesus. You've been lost your mind. You've been left the church. Jesus got me breaking out. Oh, no. All right, I'm going to get back to the text. I'm sorry. 
I've been with you so long. You, you, you don't know me, Philip? Who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now, that gets even more blatant. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Either Jesus was crazy, or he had a death wish, or he meant it. And the Jewish mind would have been like, blasphemy. Give me a rock. I'm going to bust you across your head with a rock right now. You don't even act like you approach God like that. Listen, the Jewish culture was so bad with it that they wouldn't even write out the name of God for fear of blaspheming him. Actually, when they wrote out the word Yahweh, they would leave out the syllables for fear that they would blaspheme God. They were serious about this. Talk about God if you want to. You might get your head chopped off. It's still like that in the Middle East today. I won't give no shine, but talk about certain prophets over yonder and find out what happened to you. And that's, that's just a prophet. That's not even God. Jesus said, I'm going to paraphrase. Don't get mad at me. Go read your Bible later. She said, I'm God. Verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the account of, the work, of my works themselves. Jesus said, listen, you can take me at my word or you can see my lifestyle. You can take me at my word or you can watch my life. Now let's rewind to the text that we're on today. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. People are not believing our truth statements. They are not believing our statement for exclusivity, church, because they can't look at our lives and see that we believe what we say we believe. If Jesus was truly the way, the truth, and the life, your life would look a little different. It wouldn't be so many Christians walking around with this thing. This, this, this is a term. It's called syncretism. And what syncretism means is there are two different ideologies that we try and marry together. Have you not seen? And I've seen this all the time, and it really it, it vexes me. I don't judge people. It vexes me because of the spirit behind it. I hear people all the time talking about uh, the universe and they Christians. The universe has it for me. And I'm like, I thought you was... Do you not know that Jesus is the creator of all things? Colossians 1.16, that Jesus created all this thing. He's the sum total of it, and he holds everything together. So if you want to talk about the universe, Jesus is the universe. But universe sounds like them. And so they really won't jump on my case because I sound like them. And we, can't, we can ill afford to sound like the world. Now listen, I know you're saying... Aren't you killing your argument, Pastor? You're saying that Christianity is exclusive. Yes, it is. It's exclusive, but it's inclusive. Because the door stands open. I'm going to give you an illustration, and you can take it what you want to take with it. If I'm throwing a barbecue at my house, which I'm not because I'm going home to take a nap today, but if I were throwing a barbecue at my house after church, and I say, all y'all can come, and when y'all get there, I got something special for the people who show up. So the people who don't show up mad at me because they don't get what everybody else get from coming to the party. 
But I told all y'all, y'all could come. You made a decision not to come, and so, yeah, it's exclusive because you have to be in the house to win. Jesus actually gave us a model where Christianity is the most inclusive religion ever, but you just have to go through the right way. Y'all act like this. Listen, listen. Jesus said, if you're a slave or free, you can be a part of this. If you're Jew or Gentile, you can be a part of it. You can be Roman or barbarian. You can be a part of it. You can be intellectual or just flat out dumb. You can be a part of this. It don't matter what you are. You can be a part of this, but you got to come through me. You got to come through me. Why would Jesus make such a statement? It's all in the statement because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, he created everything. He has a right to make the rules and what he wants to make the rules. Listen, we haven't had a problem with this through all our history until nowadays when we start saying dumb stuff like your truth, my truth. And I sit in rooms with Christians who say stuff like that to me and I'm like, Truth is better than your truth, because your truth ain't truth at all. Right? Okay, I'm being a little flippant, but listen, I understand the struggle to faith. I do. I do. But we have to understand, listen, we have, if we're going to have a debate, we have to establish some baselines. If we're going to play basketball, we got to establish what's out of bounds. My wife used to drive me crazy with this. When our kids were little, we used to go to the park, and we playing football, and they running all behind the trash can. And I'm like, you out of bounds. She's like, no, let them go. They just having fun. No, they need to learn how to play. <laughs> Can't make it to the NFL running behind the trash can. <laughs> they just kids. Let them have fun. They can have fun when they're at home. Right now, we playing football. <laughs> there are rules to this. You look at the universe, you see the universe is ordered and there's rules to things. We just can't make up in our mind one day that I'm just going to have my truth, you're going to have your truth, and then we're just going to, listen, I, I shouldn't go here, but I'm going here. I saw this thing the other day. Please, Amory, just let me do it. Okay. <laughs> there were these people and they were arguing over identity. I just, as far as I go, they were arguing over identity. And one person did not believe that the other person had a, val a valid stance on that was your identity. And the person said, you're erasing me. <laughs> I done thought of my mind a whole lot of times trying to erase people and I open my eyes and they still there. <laughs> but that's the world we live in. Your truth says my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. Don't put your truth on my truth because you're erasing me. When my mom and them was growing up and you said that in public, I had a space for you with a jacket with sleeves that were way too long. But now we're just allowing everything. Just all the, There are no rules. It's just what it is. And Jesus is here saying, listen, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except to me. I had another conversation this week. I have too many conversations. That's why I preach like this. And so I had this conversation this week, and me and another preacher were talking. I was like, you know, what do you mean Jesus would not put anybody in hell? You mean the Jesus that would open up the ground and swallow all these people? You mean that Jesus? Because he's holy. We forget that God is holy, and God cannot be around holiness. But here's the thing. God has given us a lifeline. 
God has given us access to him. And just because you refute it and you don't believe it, doesn't mean you're not going to change God's mind. Parents in the room, your kids can hear him howl, scream and holler. You ain't going to change my mind. You don't raise your kids that way. Well, you know, little Timmy just, you know, when I'll, I'll let him make up his mind about religion when he's older. Right now, we're not going to train him up in the way that he should go. I know what the Bible says, but we know what? We don't want to push him away from certain things. So we're just going to let him make up his own mind. You ain't going to let him make up his mind about going to school. Because them folks will come get you. If you don't tell you did, yes, they will. Unless you're going to take him out of school and homeschool him. No, 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 no. You're going to school. Let them people call up here one more time. You're going to school. You're not going to let your kids stay up all night, jumping up and down, playing rock and roll music all night long. Some of us, we understood. My mama said, if you ain't here by 1230, you locked out. Well, I'm asleep then. I don't care. That's not my problem. And so we make these moral objectives about, 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 about and what it is. And listen, listen, you got to hear this. Our culture is getting worse and worse and worse. Our culture is basically saying, you can't tell me what to do. I'm my own boss. That's what three-year-olds do. And when that three-year-old tries to enforce their authority upon you, whether you spank or you don't spank, time out, I don't know what you do. That's between you and Jesus. But what you do is you enforce your authority as the parent. You say there is a moral authority in this house, and their name is Sean. I tell my kids all the time, I say, this is not a democracy. This is not the United States of America while you come through these doors. Out there, you got rights. In here, you do not. Because I pay the bills around him. Right? Yeah. And we, so we'll do it with our parenting, but then we get mad at God when God wants to parent us because we're hypocrites. We need to get free. I got a few more minutes, so I need to get to it. So the question is, Jesus said it back then. Does it still apply to the day? Anybody ever heard? Because we do that. We were Bible scholars now. Well, that applied in the Old Testament. That doesn't really apply now. Does Jesus' words apply then? Was he the way then and then now there are different ways because we've been enlightened and we know some things? Was Jesus' way the way once and for all or is there other things like the Jesus that was there was an expiration on Jesus's way, truth and life? I submit to you today that it's not that way. Authors can write a book and you can have a copyright on it for like 75 years and then it becomes public domain. And then nobody else picked up that mantle. There were other prophets who came after Jesus who claimed to be a better way. And then you can look at that way and say, no, 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 that, 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 that's not the way. And so if Jesus is who he said he is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And today we need to wrestle with that. Is Jesus God or is he not? Other people have said that, like, if God is, if the way to God is up this mountain, and there's many paths, Jesus is just one of the paths that you can go on. But Jesus didn't say, I am a way. I am a truth. I am a life. Jesus says, I'm the mountain. I'm the mountain. And many of us in the room today, we're struggling and we're striving and we're running towards all these other things that we don't know it in, 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 our, in our conscious mind sometimes. We're chasing other gods. And we're going to talk about this in this series. Jesus said, you can serve me or you can serve money. 
and all the church says, oh, shh. Jesus is the way. Kill some, kill some thoughts. Every religion does not point to God. Lock that out of your mind right now. Jesus is not one of the many paths to God. Jesus explicitly says, I am the only way. And listen, if Jesus is a way, he is a liar. If Jesus is a way, he is a liar. It could be no other way. And so maybe you have some thoughts even now. Maybe what I've been saying convicts you and persuaded you towards some thoughts. Maybe you're thinking, how can Jesus be the only way? This pastor is just so... If you rolled your eyes, it's okay. I get it. What about those people who've never heard about Jesus and they die? What do we do with that? It's a valid question. What about some people who believe some of the Bible and their lifestyle says they don't believe all the Bible because they think it's archaic? What does Jesus do with them? Surely a loving God would not reject them because their hearts are just right. Listen, one thing we have to understand is we have a world that's been sickened with sin. I'm going to present the gospel for the way on, way on out. Then we'll have the team come up. I'm going to present the gospel. We have a world that's sickened with sin. And unless you get medicine for this illness, you will die. Some of us in the room, we've experienced that. The doctor said, listen, you're not right. They tell me that. No, I don't know. You're not right. You're not right. And unless you go through this process, unless it's, it might be chemotherapy, it might be medicine for the rest of your life, it might be something easier. Listen, you need to start exercising because your mama then was sick, your daddy then was sick, you got the same thing. You like How many people, don't raise your hand, how many people in the room, your mama them had something and they passed it down to you? Right, your mama had diabetes, had the sugar. You got the sugar. And you eating just like your mama did. And hoping the sugar will go away. The doctor said, no, 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 no. Because you have a disposition based upon the way that you are wired genetically, you are going to have this. And unless you do these things, you're not going to be okay. Right? That's the same way sin. Listen, the Bible says we came from Adam and Eve. Whether you believe it or not, all nations, everybody, every tongue, we all come from the same place. DNA evidence actually shows that we are all 99.6 or somewhere in there, 99.7% the same. Genetically. Which says that we all came from the same source. Amen? Like God didn't, listen, don't believe about the monkeys and the dinosaurs. Don't believe that. We came from Adam. And God said, listen, you're this way. You're messed up. And unless you come through the way, you're going to be sick. Unless you come for chemo, you're going to be sick. Now, you can make a decision to be sick and die, but you deal with the consequences because God has not not told you. The doctor will actually, anybody working in the medical field, you know, the doctor will have you sign some forms and say, I have told you the risks for you not doing what I asked you to do. And Jesus is the same way. Listen, listen, I've told you. Now, whatever happens to you, happens to you. That doesn't mean I don't love you. That doesn't mean I don't have compassion for you. But you've made a decision because here's the thing. God did not make robots. He's given us our own free will. 
There won't be nobody in heaven talking about, man, they made me come. That's like youth ministry. You ever been in youth ministry? Some kids in there are like, I don't even want to be here. They made, my mama made me come. And they make everybody miserable. It's like, you don't want to play the game? No, I don't want to play no games. I got scars. I'm sorry. And so we are sick. We have this genetic disposition to sin. And God is saying, listen, if you want to be with me, if you want to come to the barbecue, you got to deal with the sin. And the way that you deal with the sin is this. I am going to wrap myself in human flesh, yet born without sin. Why? Because Jesus did not have an earthly father. He had a heavenly father. That's where the virgin birth came in. Some of y'all be saying, well, the pastor never told me. I'm telling you now. There was this virgin birth which means Jesus was born without original sin, which gives him the right to be the way. Is anybody following? He was the only one born not sick. And not only was he born not sick, he lived a perfect life without sin. He was not, not that he wasn't tempted to sin, he lived a perfect life without sin. So that's another reason that he has the right to be the way. And then he lived his life without sin so that he can be our penal substitutionary. With penal, we means the law, Rose. Get your mind out the gutter. He was the law. He came in fulfillment of the law. He was substitution for us as God. Listen, it wasn't just that Jesus died. The Bible teaches that God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross. That's why Jesus died the most excruciating death anybody would ever die. It wasn't just the torture. There, was, there, there, there were people next to him. Over there being tortured. Romans were torturing people for years. It wasn't like Jesus was the only one that got uh, crucified, but it was that God was pouring out his wrath on Jesus in your place. Somehow, I tell y'all this all the time, I don't know how it works, but we were in him as God was pouring out his wrath on him so that we can get access to God. That's what Jesus is talking about here in John 14, 6. He's saying, listen, I'm going to go prepare a way for you. The cross was before him. His disciples tried to stop him. No, Lord, God forbid he said, listen, get behind me, Satan. You understand? This is the reason I was born. I was born to die. That's why we say he was a sacrificial lamb. He was born to die for us. And so what we are saying when we say that Jesus can't be the only way is we're saying that we are more important than Jesus. Or the things that you can do to access God is more important than Jesus. Jesus said, this is the very reason I've come. I've lived on this earth 30 some odd years without sin so that I can, I, can, I, I can step into this moment in time that I can rescue and ransom you. And he had you in mind. And so he died for JT. He died for Dean. He died for Derek. He died for Aaron. He died. For us. And as believers, we do ourselves a disservice if we don't tell the world about this joy that we found in what Jesus had did on the cross. Now, listen, it's theirs to receive or theirs to reject. But God has told us to do it. And here's the other thing. The Holy Spirit does most of the heavy lifting. All we got to do is open our mouth and confess what we believe. I see people all the time confessing stuff they believe, and it's even crazier than the stuff that we believe. It really is. 
Have you ever talked to a conspiracy theorist? No, bro, that can't happen. But they loud and proud about it. And everybody in their family think they crazy. They don't care. They're going with their crazy life. And we need to make up in our mind that we're just going to be crazy for Jesus. I'm just going to be baddie for Jesus. I'm just going to be crazy for Jesus. Oh, we're so fearful. We're so scared. We don't share the truth. Why? Because we don't believe the truth. One of my favorite quotes is to know and not do is not to know at all. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But unless that truth first convicts you and makes you want to go and do, then that truth ain't life to you. It should be ordering your steps. Somebody said, I'm not coming back next week. If this is the first week of this series, Christianity is not closed-minded. And as believers, we need to understand that the gospel is just going to be offensive, and we need to do it without being intentionally offensive. And that means when they are offended, let them be offended about Jesus, not about you. They need to be offended about Jesus and not about you. They need to be offended with the one that you fellowship with, not about you. And I know Christians in the past, I know the church in the past has did some horrific stuff, but we just got to get over that, baby. We just got to get over that. And we got to do what God is calling us to do. And we're not out to win arguments. We're out to win souls. The Bible says that he who wins the soul is wise. And so we need to start acting. We need to start accessing some of this wisdom in order to lead people into an understanding and a relationship with Jesus. And how can they know if you don't open your mouth? We've allowed, listen, this is one of the biggest, and I'm almost finished. This is one of the biggest devices of the enemy is to make us believe, to make us believe, oh, you're just being so bigoted right now. You're being so hateful. You think you have all the answers? Listen, I didn't come up with this. I didn't come up with this. Leave it on Jesus. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about some hot button topics. You won't sit here and tell me that homosexuality is wrong. I'm not saying that. I have homosexual people in my life that I will love on if they were around. Like, I, I, it's not about that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I can't pick and choose. And so I'm going to love that individual. You hear me say this all the time. I'm going to love that individual, but I'm going to let God's word be what God's word is. Well, what if one of your children were to do something against God? They're going to be in trouble with God. I'm not going to allow their circumstance or the thing that they're going through determine how I believe God. Listen, if it was up to me, listen, listen, if I was God, which I am not, let me put that down there, put that in air quotes. If I was God, which I am not, you could do whatever you want to, because you know Sean don't be can. We'll go home and take me a nap is what I'm going to do. If I was God, I'd be napping. I'm not playing with you. Jesus napped on a boat. Be like Jesus. Take a nap. That's what I do. That's my Jesus-esque thing I do. I nap. You go and you do what you, if, listen, listen. Go out there and have fun. 
But if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, then there's something to what he's saying. And it's up to us to be the embodiment of what he does when he dwells inside of somebody so that some might be drawn unto him. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And as a church, this is where we need to land. Amen. Jesus is not a way. He is the only way. Listen. Church, I'm going to begin to preach in a way. I just want y'all to be ready for it. For the last four or five years, like we've really been trying to establish um, kind of this personal relationship with God. Everybody, I don't go back to my notes. I spoiled that, but I'm just going to stop. Stop right there. I'm trying to be, I've been preaching this personal relationship with God. And I'm going to continue to preach in that mode. What is God speaking? What is God saying? But one thing that I haven't really hit on often, I hear it from time to time, is God is calling us to so much more than just having a relationship with him. He's calling us to draw other people along with us. And I believe that is where the church is severely lacking. We are so not evangelistic. Even listen, when I say evangelistic, some people you tighten up when you hear that word because you know what it means. To you, it means a bullhorn. It means yelling. It means arguments. It means that kind of thing. No, no, no. The Bible teaches us that we can be evangelistic through hospitality. We can be evangelistic through the way that we live our lives. And listen, and it's not about winning arguments like I said before. We can be evangelistic in a way that sometimes people will come into our life and they will want to be a part of what we're doing based upon the way that we're living. And I guarantee you, I've seen it with my own life. People will start to ask you, who is this guy that you're always talking about? What is it about this Jesus that you're always talking about? Can I learn? more about it. And those are the opportunities that God will give us to grab somebody by their hand and start a journey with God. And it's up to God to then grow that curiosity in their hearts and in their minds. I want you to pray about this in the next few moments. After this series, starting next month, we're going to start this series called No Love Service. It's basically about who we are as a church and what we need to be doing as a church, and it's going to last seven to eight weeks. There's a fifth Sunday in the midst of that. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to, ser- I want you to seriously start thinking about joining one of the groups that we're going to be starting where we can come together and we can be- begin to do and fulfill the great commission of God together. Because some people, the prospect of doing it, you're doing it by yourself, you're just scared. It's like, I, I, I don't even know where to start. Listen, there are going to be believers in these circles that are going to, we're going to come alongside you and we're going to help you do the things that God says for you to do. And one of those things is to proclaim the truth that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and that you need to be a part of understanding that he is the truth, he is the way, he is the life. And your life needs to reflect the fact that he is the truth, he is the way, he is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And to get to that place, you have to get to a place of total surrender. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to right now, as the worship sings, leads us in this song, I want you to make up in your mind that you're going to surrender yourself to this process. 
God, move on my heart. God, do what you want. And God, help me to rearrange my schedule and do the things that I need to do in order to make it to these groups so that I can be around other believers so that we can walk this thing out together. Part of the reason that some of you guys aren't doing it because you're on an island all by yourself. You think your faith is just to be, you're just isolated. And this life is not meant to be walked alone. So for the next few moments, whatever those things are that are hindering you from surrendering yourself to God, whatever those things are that, that are stopping you from being involved in Christian community and bringing your gift set to the table and allowing other people's gift set to pour into you that we might be able to impact our neighborhood, our jobs, our city. Not because we want a big church. It's not even about church. It's not even about people coming to this church. Y'all know I don't care. It's about us doing what God has called us to do. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.